Gun Gun Funny. Welcome to a special episode of Gun Funny. Today we're going to talk about the story that came out in the Washington Post magazine, The Heavily Armed Millennials of Instagram. Uh, we are joined by Rapid Fire Rachel. Ava Flanell is here. My name is Sean Heron. And uh, just to give you a little bit of background is uh, last summer we ended up talking to a person who was assigned to write an article for Rolling Stone. We were all a little bit nervous about that because Rolling Stone historically is a fairly uh, liberal-minded magazine, which, you know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's the reality of the situation. And liberal-minded publications, things like that, generally end up being anti-gun. So we went into this pretty uh, apprehensive uh, because we we were concerned about how the things that we said might be turned. So in this show today, we are going to talk about all the things that we think they got right, the things that we think they got wrong, and just our opinions on the whole matter. Uh, Ava, you were actually the first person contacted or the first person in my crew contacted about this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because I looked back at the email because after the story was published, I'm kind of, you know, you kind of step back and you think, gosh, what was I thinking? Like, how did I not expect this? And so I, I went back to look at the emails to see, you know, what he wrote initially when he approached me. And uh, I'm just going to read it. It says... And, and to be clear, he is the author of this piece that was published in the Washington Post magazine. His name is Simon Van Zylen Wood. All right. So he wrote, Ava, I hope this finds you well. I'm a New York City writer reporting a Rolling Stone magazine feature on hashtag PewLife forward slash hashtag tactical life. And I'm interested in connecting with entrepreneurs and influencers involved in hashtag tactical culture. <laughs> I came across your store and podcast and thought you'd make a great addition to the story. The idea is to start traveling to meet with folks in mid July. I'd love to connect to tell you more about the story forward slash hear about your interests and availability. So then I called him to, you know, to talk to him and tell him that, Hey, like historically Rolling Stone has been known to publish pieces that are usually anti-gun. And he assured me that Rolling Stone was bought out a few years ago and that they've changed their stance and not true. asked me what I was doing for the rest of that month. I told him that we were all going on the Brownells convoy in like, I think it was like 10 days later. And he asked if he could join. Uh, pause right there. Now, Rachel, how did you get brought into all this? So almost identical email, but it said entrepreneurs, individuals, and influencers. I didn't call him. I talked to Ryan Rep because he had also reached out to the guys at Brownells, I guess, after finding out about the convoy. And then I let Ryan vet him a little bit, found out he asked you to interview, talk to you a little bit. Then I agreed I would talk to him. Which I feel bad about because <laughs> I remember you were kind of like, well, you know, what do you think? And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it because I thought it would be a good opportunity to kind of you know, like kind of clarify a lot of the ideologies that like gun owners tend to have or show that like women, you know, can be educated and own guns and protect themselves. And I just thought that it would be a good opportunity, not thinking that he would completely twist everything that we told him. I thought it was a terrible idea, but at the same <laughs> you time, did you the entire time you're like, I, I want no part in this. It's it's bad. And here I'm like optimistic and pretty stupid about it. But well, it, my point wasn't that my point was, but even if he twists our words around, like we're either going to come across as the two way people that we are and the people who, uh, the people who listen to our shows and just like our friends and our circles and the two way community, they're going to, they're going to think, Oh yeah, they're, they're the same people that we actually think they are. 
And the people on the other side of the debate, the anti-gun people, people who don't like firearms and things like that, they're going to think that we're the devil like they already do. So ultimately, unless someone said something just like crazy, there was really no harm in it. There was there was no way we were going to end up less than we we were previously. And I, I still think that that's what actually did happen. Mm-hmm. I so, do too. So a few days later, I emailed him and I wrote, I'll be honest, there's a lot of hesitation from Brownells and myself as well. I looked up some of your work. You've written for a lot of publications that are anti-gun. Rolling Stone was bought out a few years ago, but there's been a lot of anti-gun articles in the magazine since. I don't mind taking a risk and talking to you. I'd love to prove a lot of misconceptions and show you that gun owners can be educated females, ones that used to live a very similar life to what you're living now. Uh, Simon currently lives in New York City, which is where I... Uh, was living not too long ago. I feel bad, however, bringing you around others who may not want part of it. If you can assure me that this article you're writing won't be slanted, I'll put my name on the line and let everyone know it's okay for you to tag along with us to Utah. And then he responded, not looking to surprise anyone and definitely not looking to make anyone uncomfortable. To your point, I'd love to open our readers' minds up to the nuances of gun culture. That's what the story is about. Something really interesting is going on with tactical life, and it doesn't have anything to do with the stuff you see on cable news. And in that same way, I love to prove to people in the gun community that a Rolling Stone writer from NYC can be open-minded, fun, and fair. And I just want to go back to, uh, that's what this story is about. And then Morgan Freeman narrating, that's when they realized that's not what this story was about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm. Okay, so... At this point, you know, I mean, he is, he's doing the hard sell. Like he, he is a, a writer. I actually don't much, know much about his background. I don't know if he's a journalist or if he's just a writer, like an editorial writer type stuff. I think so. This was a while ago. This was because when he approached us, it was in July of 2018. And I think when I researched him, he wrote a lot of political articles, mm-hmm. but I, I don't even remember anymore. But the reason why, so he approached us in July of 2018, but the article just came out this month, and that's because the editor at Rolling Stone left, who was going to originally publish the article. And as a result, uh, Rolling Stone sat on it for a few months, and then eventually Simon, I guess, proposed it to Washington Post magazine, and they took it. And and I do want to say right here, I'm not upset with Simon. Like, uh, this... I think that he took some liberties. I don't know if when he pitched it to the Washington Post magazine, the atmosphere of the article changed and he had to add some things in and do some other things. Like he definitely takes some liberties. But again, when you're the writer, those are, that's the liberties that you get to take with, with this. I think he did things that are kind of shady, uh, in that he mentions things that really don't help tell the story that he was trying to come to, but I kind of disagree. I think that he spent quite a bit of time with all of us. He definitely had a great opportunity to get to know us. And yet that does not portray in his article at all. No. Um, I mean, Rachel, like you have one quote. He spent an entire day with you shooting. Yeah. Uh, with me, he met up with us in Utah. Or was it Wyoming, actually? Maybe it was Utah. It, it was Utah. We, we only stayed one night in Wyoming. And... uh you know, and he came to one of the parties and we talked, I talked to him on the phone a few times, but nowhere does it say like, it doesn't even say that I'm a firearms instructor in the article. It doesn't say that, oh, hey, you're president of the firearms radio network or that you run all these podcasts. Like he did a really crappy way of introducing who we are to the readers and 
giving them, I mean, he even said at one point that I manage a shooting range, which I don't. I'm like, okay, well, where'd you get that information? Yeah, there's definitely facts that were incorrect. Uh, someone posted a comment that I actually thought was pretty funny. Uh, on one of the articles, you know which one I'm talking about, right? Uh huh. Yeah, Mr. Guns and Gear. He reposted yeah. the article. So they said, Sean, so you mentioned there. Also saw how they spent zero time dealing detailing anything about you, how you're running a business, leave one of the most successful and informative gun podcasts in the nation and probably the world. Active in first aid, live and die by responsible gun ownership. But I guess that isn't as grabby. And honestly, like some of those things may have been mentioned, but I was a hundred percent distant and pretty much non-responsive. But regardless, it seems like he did some outside research. Yeah. He did on me because there's a lot of things that are included that I did not tell him. That's true. That's true. So it's not that hard to like Google your name and find out that information. Yeah. And I, I guess the difference in our opinions is, is I expected him to be, to be exactly what he was. And I think that you got, you guys thought, I think, I think we put too much trust in mm-hmm. him. And then I was thinking like, Oh, you live in New York city. I used to live in New York. Exactly. Oh, we have that common ground. And you know, I could put a little bit of trust in, in him. And honestly, I like, I completely regret doing this article. No, I totally understand. And I say on one of my other shows to Aaron, who is also pretty ideological, is that a word that, that, you know, he kind of wants to assume the best out of people. And I was like, look, man, mainstream media, they're, they're the enemy. This is, this is mainstream media. And, and we just have to treat them exactly like that. Uh, not be impolite, not be whatever. Just don't trust them. Rachel, tell us about your experience with Simon when he came to visit and you guys went to the range. So we met originally in Talladega, and that was really brief. We kind of like felt him out, talked to him a little bit there. Hold the on, next wait, day- wait, is this Talladega, uh, Georgia? <laughs> yeah, yeah, at the Speedway in Georgia. No, Talladega is in Alabama. <laughs> Apparently, Simon fixed that in the article now, so it is fixed. But the next day, the following day after the convoy in Alabama, we met in Georgia. And it was super chill. We went and got ice cream, talked for a couple hours there. And then my dad and I took him to the range. And we did a whole experience, started with 22s, worked up to 30-06, taught him as much as we could, answered as many of his questions as we could. And it was a really good time. We even went to our traditional barbecue after the range and continued talking. So Yeah, yeah. and and that's the kind of story that you would expect to be told. But honestly, Mm -hmm. like the story he tells is someone who knows absolutely nothing about something and then tries to tell a story about it. Like the the way he uh, characterizes people in the story, I'm like, uh, literally some of these things. Like, are we talking about the same people? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't even know what this guy's talking about. And he spends all this time with you, gets to know you and your lovely family, who I've met multiple times, and, you know, doesn't represent that at all. It's all... You know, yeah, you had you had one quote, which what was that quote um, that I was upset with the NRA for not fighting harder against the uh, banning gun purchases in Florida to the age of 21. Yeah. Yeah. Out, of, say? <laughs> out of all that, that's what he gathers. So that's probably like the only negative thing you said. So he just ran with it. And it's not I even mean, negative. We all feel Yeah. That. I mean, yeah. But it was like the only thing that he could possibly use against Rachel. Yeah. Sorry, Rachel. Go ahead. What, what were you saying? Oh, I said negative maybe in his eyes, but positive in mine because people can get married at 18 or serve our country, but you can't protect yourself or your family. Or go hunting. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So then move on into the next. Okay. Okay. So Simon comes to Utah and he was talking to Hank Strange and he's like, oh, what'd you guys do in Colorado? And Hank's just like, oh, we visited uh, Ava's dad's museum. And he's like, Ava's dad? Who's Ava's dad? And like, you could just see his freaking like 
eyes light up. And uh, so then he, you know, and for people who don't know, because I don't normally talk about it too much, I don't, I don't publicize it. And it's not because I'm ashamed of who he is. Like, I'm extremely proud he's accomplished a lot. But I just don't feel like I want to piggyback off of his success. Like, I want to make a name for myself. So when Simon asked, like, who my dad was, who is Dragon Man, I told him that, you know, I, I really don't want him mentioned in the story. And kind of just like what I said, like, I'm not piggybacking off his success. I'm trying to make a name for myself. And, you know, and like my dad and I, we are like very much kind of opposite, even though we're, we're in the same, uh, you know, industry. Yeah, I agree. And, um, so I thought he'd respect that. Um, I did tell him about my mom's death because it's why I became an instructor. Uh, I did not include the amount of details that he included in the article, which I find disgusting. And I mean, at best disgusting. And those details he found from other articles. I didn't tell him really most of the details about my dad at some point. He, he mentioned like, Oh, I didn't talk to my dad. Then I talked to my dad. Like, I, I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with, you know, his intentions of this article, which is millennials are millennials of Instagram. Like, I don't understand. Like, this isn't a Jerry Springer show. You know, one thing for me is this. So I, I read the title, the heavily armed millennials of Instagram, which we have to laugh because you're not a millennial. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> we'll, we'll definitely cover that. But I think about that and I'm like, okay, well, maybe I would see profiles of people and tell a little bit of the story about who they are, how they got there, mm-hmm. what they do now that that would be interesting to me. Uh, talking about Rachel and her family's history and how she got into guns, talking about you a little bit. Maybe not in the excruciatingly personal, private, and 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 to be honest, painful memories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all that detail wasn't necessary. It was no, and it's it it's very like distasteful and yeah. For that, I actually when when I when the article came out and I first read it, remember when I told you I was so angry I wanted mm-hmm. to message Simon and mm-hmm. you're like just don't do it and. I bit my tongue many times because mm-hmm. every time I read it, it literally made me sick. Yeah, I know. And there's just uh, – so I expected to see maybe profiles and stories of people. But really what it is is it's introducing a couple people, letting them give a quote, and then uh, you know, coming back a month or two later and writing a, in my opinion, and very uh, non-factual and contrived rebuttals to the points that they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. I'm like, are you trying to tell the story? Or are you trying to editorialize everything that we say and, and disagree with us and make us look bad? Because A, you did a terrible job of making us look bad. And B, like, what story are you trying to tell here? It meanders. It never really goes anywhere. It's the anywhere. longest freaking article. It doesn't have a beginning, middle, or end. It's not just a list of profiles and people and why they matter or why they don't matter or, or anything like that. It's just like, what, what is this supposed to be? Rachel, do you know? I don't know because there's like random characters entered here or, why even include me in the article if I'm just going to be, hey, she works at Hooters and she likes <laughs> right. guns and doesn't like the Second Amendment being stepped on. And yeah. then like, it, it was very hard to read. It was. And, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, I'm either tell me the profiles or tell me a story. Don't try to like mix it. It was like all over the place. And maybe because it took him seven months to finally publish the article. So he kept going back and or maybe it had to change because he changed publishers and they wanted I mean, something different. Either way, he, it's not like he, it's not like it's a news article where you have to get it out within a few hours. And even then, like their articles are much better when you are only, you know, given a few minutes or hours or whatever. That was the um, thing. But I was he had months to write this and it was like, as an English major, it was like the, longest, most boring, no point, no, 
It was a horrible article. If nothing else, it was a horrible article. Now, I also want to talk about, before we dive into the article itself, um, I want to talk about uh, Washington Post's uh, social media. So yesterday, they they published us on Snapchat Explore. And it's amazing how many people actually watch that because <laughs> like, I woke up to somebody who's like, hey, you're on Snapchat. But what I found really interesting were the captions that they put with our photos. Like there's a picture of Amy Robbins and it says, they want to make gun ownership look sexy and also urgent. Like, I don't think we even like, okay, it's just all about, you know. That's editorial. Um, That's editorial grandstanding right there. And then the one that bothered me the most that Rachel and I went with, that went with our pictures. And I think Matt Best, it says, it's not about politics. They say it's about aesthetic. Yeah. Okay. The women who pose with guns and not much much else are called gun bunnies, and their male counterparts are tactical. Sean, now, did you know that you are a tactical? Oh, actually, I've been <laughs> trying to be a tactical for a very long time. But the weird thing is, is like those things that they just said, those those right there, they're basically true, right? The women who pose with guns and not much else and aren't shooters and aren't big voices in the industry are considered gun bunnies and male counterparts are tactical. Yeah, That's but it's, fine. but, but it's they showed, like, they showed you guys as pictures yeah. who are clearly not gun bunnies. I'm no, wearing no a sweater or, in the picture yeah. and I actually posted it to my Facebook and they're like, okay, if you, if they think you're a gun bunny, imagine what they would do with actual gun bunnies. <laughs> well, yeah. And we, we'll talk about what he thinks of them. And I'm sorry, well. but it's not about politics. They say it's about aesthetic. It's absolutely about politics. Yeah. Rachel, what do you think on that one? Uh, it's absolutely about politics. Now, if you want to get into like the historical part, like there's something very sexy about some of the historical guns, but yeah. yes. that's like a whole different, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah. I mean, I appreciate, like, I do look at guns as like a piece of art and I do appreciate like great craftsmanship and stuff. But to say that we, it's not about politics is absolute BS. Yeah. I'm reading a book right now that he talks about like a, an individual's first experience, the character in the book, his first experience with like an AR-15 and the, just the way he talks about it and just like all those things. I was like, man, that's exactly how I felt at the beginning. That's, it's so awesome. There is a beauty and like a nuance uh, to them. Now, next line, they love the AR-15, the weapon often used in mass shootings. Influencers use a combination of sex appeal. <laughs> okay. And guns to build their brand. And it's profitable with some pulling in up to 200,000 a year. So did we just get a raise? Yeah. <laughs> R- Rachel, can you please tell us about uh, the $200,000 a year and what you spent it on last year? Well, I don't, I'm not even sure where it went. I'm going to have to see if somebody stole my identity, maybe <laughs> bank account. but I was considering using this article, taking it back to Toyota and seeing if I could upgrade my Tacoma to a forerunner. Yeah, that, there yeah, you go. That would be good. <laughs> exactly. Instead of like pay stubs and stuff like that, you take this article and be like, yeah, I, I think all of us are getting Mike Tyson. Like we have an accountant that's stealing our money. <laughs> Just like that's ludicrous. What do you mean you need a pay stub? It's right here. This is so much you know, so I have to laugh uh, earlier or last night we were talking and I'm like, oh, we should, Rachel, we should wear shirts that say gun bunny and make Sean a shirt that says tactical. And I was like, this is a great idea, but they'll never be here by the time we record the video. And I was like, no, we're not going to order them. We don't have time for that. We'll just make them like arts and crafts. It snowed a lot yesterday. And Sean's like, okay, whoa, pump the brakes. I'm not wearing a shirt that's made out of puff paint. <laughs> and so I, I messaged Rachel and I told her and she's like, oh, but Sean has no problem hanging out with a okay. guy wearing a neckerchief. <laughs> All right. Well, that's foreshadowing to a joke we're going to tell in just a little while. But Ava, also, in, in addition to making $200,000 a year, of which you are paying me none of, you own a shooting range that I've never even been to. Or well, you got to play your cards right. I don't yeah. just let anybody in there. Apparently, yeah. Uh, keeping out the riffraff. 
Yeah, basically. Do I don't you, I don't really want any hood rat stuff going on in my range. Do you own a, a shooting range? According to Washington Post, I do. Okay. According to Simon. All right, that's fair. Oh, I don't own one actually. I manage one. Oh, you I don't <laughs> think I'm good enough to own one. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh Rachel, he took a in my opinion, he took a little dig at you. Like everyone knows like where you work and what you do and you're proud of it and it's awesome and it's heavily influenced and uh, Well, and you've also and like improved your life. And you've like you've entered all these competitions and you've won and like how much has it enriched your life to work where you work and do what you do? But in my opinion, he uses it as a dig. Yeah, I felt like it was a dig too. But to me, I'm I wouldn't let anybody know that I worked at Hooters if I wasn't proud of it. Mm -hmm. And before I started working there, I was the most painfully shy person you would have ever met. So for me, it was a life changing experience. And I really I mean, look at what I've done since starting there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So ridiculous. And, and just it's it's that kind of stuff. Instead of explaining stuff like that, which I'm sure you guys talked about. We did. Uh, you know, he, he just basically says something that was it was crafted specifically to uh, to, to embarrass. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's get into the article. So first thing that stuck out was Matt Best is the de, de facto leader of the movement. <laughs> yeah, we don't even live in the same world as Matt Best, and I'm not talking about a success standpoint. I'm talking about the let's like a different audience, a different crowd, yeah, a different circle, both social and social media. It's uh I mean, I will hand it to him though. He he's very successful, especially for his age. Like everyone in the article for the most part were in their thirties and we <laughs> sorry, Sean, but you know, I would say like we are all really successful, but he really didn't you know, he didn't really touch upon that as much. I guess Matt, out of everybody, he probably touched upon it the most because for whatever reason, he had like a hard on for Matt Best. But, uh, Rachel, is, is Matt Best your leader? <laughs> he's not my leader. Yeah, he's not my leader. Trying to him anywhere in my house or anything. <laughs> I don't even think I've met the guy in person. I actually have not met him in person. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Then. Matt Best, okay, so this was a, a quote that stuck out. Matt Best uses his brand equity to sell coffee products. Other influencers earn money by brandishing tactical paraphernalia in their posts. If this sort of commercial opportunism makes you uncomfortable at a time when the country is suffering from a never-ending gun violence epidemic, 39,773 gun deaths in 2017, the highest number on record in America. You're probably not alone, especially when you consider the kind of guns that dominate the tactical community. Best and his followers aren't interested in collecting hunting rifles and shotguns. Lord, no. There's even a derogatory term for people who still use those things. They're called FUDs, as in Elmer. What's in vogue are semi-autos. Sleek, high-capacity weapons originally designed for military use and now favored by school shooters. The preferred gun of mass murderers, the AR-15, is also the preferred gun of the sexy millennials of Instagram. All right. So, again... Can I get a barf bag? <laughs> so, all right. So, again, uses brand equity to sell coffee products. I felt like that was a little bit of a dig. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not, not that he ran Article 15, that he's a, a U.S. Army Ranger... Um, not that he's been successful at many, many, many things he's done, but you know, that, that little dig, that something that seems inconsequential on the surface, but mm -hmm. actually has a, a nice rich history behind it. Other influencers are money by brandishing tactical, tactical paraphernalia. Absolutely true. It, it, that is something that totally happens. And then let's talk about the never ending gun violence epidemic. 
So CDC put out a report in 2017 talking about gun deaths. The number 39,773 is actually an accurate number. However, 60% of those are suicides, mm-hmm. uh, which is about 23,000 plus, if I recall off the top of my head. I mean, if he can make up numbers and editorialize, why can't I? So 23,000 of those are suicides, leaving 16,000 gun deaths in 2017. Well, let's assume uh, in 2012, when we looked at those numbers, uh, out of 32,000 gun deaths, 60% were suicide, 8,900 were directly gang-related. So yeah, that that's definitely a crime, but I, I really feel uncomfortable with them using gun deaths uh, from gang violence uh, in, in these kind of numbers. So if we have 69, I'm sorry, 60% plus of suicides and then a heavy portion in 2012, there was just a little bit over 2000 actual homicides that were committed using a firearm in a, in a country of 325 million. That is statistically so incredibly insignificant. And I'm sorry, but gun violence Suicide is not gun violence. Mm-hmm. And that's my opinion. And again, so I think it goes back to we have a mental health issue. We do not have a gun issue. I think we have a society issue. I mean, why are people killing themselves? That, yeah. Like that, that's the thing. But and then whole different topic. ARs are the preferred gun for mass shooters. Also not true. Yeah. Not true. Actually, handguns were almost three times or used three times more in mass shootings than rifles. Yeah, but I mean, and we're going to post this in the show notes, the links where we got this information from, which I don't think Simon actually even supposed his quote unquote statistics. No, he didn't uh, because it's editorial. So, Rachel, what are your thoughts on, on this segment uh, of quotes? Um, I just want to know where he gets his information. And he had seven months to post an article, but he still couldn't come up with anything accurate. That's yeah. Yeah. where I'm at. Well, it's funny. I was reading because I was researching this and. And trying to figure out, well, where is he getting these, this information from? And I, I found an article from Washington Post, I think it was last year, and they were talking about the statistics of gun violence. And it's funny because they did not once like mention that suicide made up 60% of those deaths. And it's just, it's amazing how media just likes to twist a lot of these facts around. Yeah, not a whole lot put into that, in my opinion. But no. drunk driving crashes claim more than 10,000 lives per year, but that's not really mentioned as an epidemic in this country. I mean, what about drowning? Heart disease, drowning. I think there was three thousand over 3,500 drowning cases in So there's more people that drown than there are in mass shootings. Oh, but by far, by far. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's something, you know. Yeah. And, and again, you know, this editorializing AR-15 preferred gun of mass murderers. Nope. Sorry, that's just not true. All right. Another thing I had a problem with, it says Alexo, uh, Amy Robbins brand is an outlier in that it's marketed to women, but is consistent with other products in the tactical space, which seem at best unnecessary and at worst, a disaster waiting to happen. Rachel, what does that mean? Well, I had a lot to say about that, but tell us. Yeah. Girl unleash. (laughs) Get down with your bad self. Yeah. Well, he's taking something that you would think that Washington Post would look at this and be like, wow, they are empowering women. There's products that make women be able to carry guns safely and protect themselves. But they say it's a disaster waiting to happen and at best unnecessary instead of a product that could potentially stop a a rapist or a robber from attacking a woman. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Like Amy created something that gives women the 
the option to, you know, to carry when they work out, to go running if it's late at night, early in the morning, which a lot of people do, and they do put themselves in danger. So unnecessary? I don't think so. And a disaster waiting to happen? Like, do they know how guns operate? If it's in it, if it's holstered, it's not going to just go off by itself. <sighs> and we're talking about a group that would rather promote a don't walk down a dark alley campaign rather than here's here's something that gives you confidence and allows you to walk down any alley you so choose. Yeah. They'd rather they stay inside. You're safe there instead of take, yeah, take your safety into your own hands. Stay at home where you belong. Yeah. The, the whole, that whole thing is just so ridiculous to me. Unnecessary people carry guns in this, in this country, Simon. Second amendment is a thing that exists in this country, Simon. I don't understand how safely carrying a gun is unnecessary. Simon. Simon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. You guys want to laugh? I don't know if I think, Sean, you missed this because I was talking about it with you yesterday. But at one point, Simon put in the article that there seems to be value in putting the word tactical in front of your company's name on a dummy Instagram feed I created. And I'm like, wait, Simon created a, a fake, you know, Instagram account. So it's funny because I looked at all my followers and I just searched the word tactical just to see if I could find who he is because I was going to block his ass. But um I couldn't. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was kind of funny. I wonder what value he got out of that. I don't know. Yeah, he told me he had created a fake account. Yeah. yeah I didn't know that. It's kind of funny. I, I didn't even notice that when I read through the article. Again, I was trying to figure out what the story was. Yeah. Uh, so a quote from Simon in the article, I grab a beer and sit down at a picnic table with Krieger. Uh, for Krieger's that- your best buddy. Krieger is my best friend. That would be Aaron Krieger. He is my co-owner and co-host on We Like Shooting. Literally talk to him every single day. I will also say I told him not to talk to this reporter, but I am not his father and I could not, I could not demand this from him. He said, and I quote, and I've got the quote. Don't worry, man. I got this. Uh, we're also going to do it's a mo- all right because I think I'm like in that same boat right now. We're gonna, like Aaron and I are, <laughs> we're going to do Morgan Freeman right now. And that's when Jean realized he didn't got this. So we have talked about this since. But I guess I'll, I'll lead with the quote. I grab a beer and sit down at a picnic table with Krieger, a 44-year-old Obama voter and graphic designer who writes children's books on the side. His wife, a social worker, dislike guns and dislikes guns intensely. Krieger rolls his eyes at macho operators, comparing them to people who dress up for comic conventions. It's tactical cosplay, he says. Flanell, Ava, hey. 32, sits down and chimes in. They're tools, basically, she says. <laughs> All right, so first off, so, well, when we first read this quote, we were driving and we were laughing so we hard. We were cracking up. I, I started crying. Like there was tears like running yeah. down my eye because Sean's like, what the hell's going on in my life? Like, you know, my two best friends. Oh yeah. Oh, it's basically cosplay. Yeah. They're basically tools. <laughs> yeah. Literally the two people that I spend the most time with in the universe are uh, like the dumbest people in this article. <laughs> so 44 year old Obama voter. True. Graphic designer. Absolutely true. Writes children's books. Okay. Yeah. I guess a decade, a decade ago. And then that failed and never did that again. Uh, his wife, social worker dislikes guns. Sure. That, I think that's fair. And, and honestly, like, yeah, some of the, I don't know. Th- this is a little bit of an interesting one. I, I don't think Aaron meant to say this, but. Yeah, I think that people that like go to the range and, and shoot paper wearing tack vests and things like that, it, like it is a little bit of cosplay, but I mean, I, I honestly like, I'm not going to take back what I said. I do think that people that dress up all tactical are kind of tools and I don't regret saying that. I just, I do think it's funny that he decided to 
use those two quotes that, you know, out of everything that we <laughs> talked about I know. at that picnic table. Can we just talk that Aaron and I are both over 40 and we are not by any stretch or function millennials in any way, shape or form. I know. And How why, did you get into this article? Why are we in this article? It hmm. doesn't make any sense to me. Eventually, Krieger's co-host Heron and a Brownells fan in a neckerchief come to our table. <laughs> That's like my favorite. All right. So this is a dude that showed up at the thing. And I'm not trying to insult a, a brother for, for his personal personal fashion choices, but I don't <laughs> know this this guy. Like I was not hanging out with this guy. He walked up at the table from an opposite direction at the same time <laughs> I did. I'm not hanging out with Fred from Scooby-Doo. I'm more of a shaggy bro. <laughs> uh, Rachel, do you remember the dude in the neckerchief? No, she wasn't there. Oh, you weren't there. That's right. You joined later. I heard visions though. But I don't, you're never going to live this down. I know. I was like, it's okay. hilarious. And, and it's presented like Sean walks up with a dude in a neckerchief. And okay. they're holding hands. Yeah. It's that's a very important detail. Yeah, is. I know. Some of the details, I'm just like, really, Simon? Uh, how do you think Brownells feels? You think they want a Brownells <laughs> fan wearing a neckerchief? I know. Get out of here. <laughs> Uh, I think that's what they're going for. Maybe it broadens the kind of people that are into Brownells. Yeah. yeah. Even good neckerchiefs. Yeah. Yep. So uh, he goes further and says, I asked them how they feel when a mass shooter is dressed like one of their Instagram friends. That was not specifically the question. The question was, how do you feel when you see like mass killings and things like that? Yeah. And, well, I'm using a gun that you own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't specifically I don't, remember. I don't but, remember anything about what they were wearing. I, I do know that had he said one of your Instagram friends, I would have scoffed him and like, okay, that's gross misrepresentation of uh, the relationships here. But. And I said it affects me the same way as when I see a drunk driver kill a family in a, in a collision late at night. Uh, if they have a Toyota and I have a Toyota, that's awful. But, you know, I hate to see guns used in the same way. I hate to see other people use things that I use for fun, hobbies, personal enrichment to do bad things. If they have the same car that I own and they, and they commit a crime or a murder or a drunk driving accident, then I feel the same way as when I see them use a pistol that I own or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I am not responsible for what criminals do in this country. Rachel, do you feel responsible? Um, no, I don't. Yeah. I but don't. I feel the same way. It's like the Boston uh, bomber that used a pressure cooker. I have a pressure cooker that I used to can with, but he used this in a terrible way. Yeah. We didn't outlaw pressure cookers. Yeah. He goes further on to editorialize. He he didn't say this uh, in person, and that's fine. You you don't want to challenge your interview subjects when you're trying to dig into and get information that you can use against them. But he says here, I have to object. They, there aren't well, maybe except for the Call of Duty Jeep cars explicitly designed to look like killing machines. Mass shooters, on the other hand, are often dressed to look as violent and militaristic as possible. Also, which I mean, we talked about because I'm like, do you even know what half these people were wearing? I think the really the, the media loves to talk about like the guns and and they always jump to like oh assault rifle and then it's like oh later on nope it was a revolver mm -hmm. and, and but I don't the only militaristic person that I can recall in recent memory is the Aurora Theater murderer who had bright red hair crazy contacts was dressed all all tacked out and, and other things but no because even then like Columbine shooting okay they're wearing trench coats. Do you think that like clowns just, go around uh, lamenting the fact that John Wayne Gacy was a serial killer that dressed as a clown? Like, go fuck yourself, Simon. I know. I know. All right. So here's where I really have a problem. So I asked Simon, hey, don't include my dad. Um, he did when he called me to fact check things. He's like, I am going to include your dad. And I and I was like, all right, you know what? Whatever. I'm not embarrassed of him. It's not, that's not why I don't want people to talk about him or associate me with him. It's just, you know, he has his success. I'm still creating my own success. 
we just see things differently. At times he can be a pure nightmare, but you know, at the end of the day, like, obviously I love him. So I'm like, all right, whatever. But he made it seem like it was just a very small little, you know, introduction, not the entire thing. Uh, so he says, Ava's father goes by Dragon Man, but his real name is Mel Bernstein. He's a gonzo weapons dealer who calls himself the most armed man in America. In 2012, a reality TV crew came to Colorado to film a show about him and the family gun farm. Farm, okay. Wait, you guys, you guys grow guns? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? I got a range and we grow guns, okay? <sighs> and you make $200,000 a year. My yeah. life is bullshit. But can you just continue to pay for our lunch? That'd be great. No. Dragon Man was made for the format, a Brooklyn Jew turned Heartland tough, an unreconstructed uh, gun enthusiast with an outer borough chip on his shoulder. Flanelle was living in New York City where she had attended Fordham University and worked for the Yankees. Oh, wow, Simon, you got that one right. Then he goes into detail about how my mom died, which I'm not even going to read. He even includes a fact that says that she was hit with an object at 150 miles per hour. And after my mom died, uh, a lot of news liked to include this detail, and they've all changed uh, the number of the mile per hour. It's uh, always been different. Impossible to it's, know. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you're you're such a great journalist. Like, way to, way to state the facts. It was, a, it was a fantastic copy paste. Yeah. So I did not tell him details. I don't talk about that stuff. And I think it's disgusting for him to include it. It has nothing to do with the objective for the article. Yeah. Rachel, you were pretty mad and upset about this part too. Yeah. Because other than the fact that, I mean, they're your parents and you're a millennial, I suppose they have nothing to do with armed millennials of Instagram. Your mom is not here, unfortunately, but the details are just unnecessary. And it's, it's gross that he would put that out there to me. I'm not even sure what his point was. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. It's just more of that meandering that I'm just like, what? And this is like the end of the article. Like, Wait a minute. Yeah. What, what story specifically were you trying to tell? Like, I, I never glommed on to it. I never mm-hmm. felt like I was reading a story. I just felt like I was reading a bunch of kind of uh, unrelated facts about individuals I don't know and don't care about because you haven't made me care about them in this article. Yeah. And I got to say, like, when I when I first read the article, we were laughing. I was just like, wow, this is a stupid fucking article. And then when I had some time to, like, sit down and really read through it. It really bothered me that like what he included my mom. And I got to say, like, I went like a few days where I was kind of like in a funk because it's just kind of like bringing back memories where after my mom passed away, it was all over the news. Like the news literally has like very, you know, they're so disrespectful in the fact that something traumatic happens, but they got to be the first ones to report it. And instead of like, you know, giving you guys some space and respecting like, hey, we all just suffered a huge loss. And uh so it was kind of just... uh it was kind of just sort of, I guess, like flashback of memories, you know? Yeah, it was a tough few days for Ava, for sure. Uh, Rachel, you were going to say something? Oh, I mean, he could have, he really could have taken, he could have done a series of articles and like taken each one of us and talked about our relationship to this and us on Instagram, tell our background stories. He could have made you care about each one of us and, and even added his agenda in it if he wanted to, but he didn't. He just, mm-hmm. it was all place yeah and then he goes on to say like dragon man remarried and continued to cultivate his armory ava distanced herself from her father and that's not true 
Uh, as soon as my mom passed away, I actually moved back home. I lived with him because he had no idea what to do. Like he didn't know how to work the washing machine. He didn't even know we owned a microwave. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, I didn't distance myself. Um, he also failed to say that, yeah, my dad got remarried. Everyone deals with loss differently and we all kind of freaked out. But then my dad also got divorced. Like he, he married like a really crazy lady, but but it's like, again, why is this important? Like, is this a Jerry Springer like article? Like you're just going to put my, like, just kind of air my dirty laundry out there. I'm also, and, so- it, and I would love to see like how he acts if he lost somebody that he was super close to, you know, a family member that was basically the glue that held the entire family together. And, you know, and like, yeah, there was definitely a little bit of drama after my mom passed away, but I would, I would be surprised if, other people lost somebody so special and, and people didn't freak out and react differently about it. Yeah. And I'm again, taken aback by the, the, the farming metaphor, cultivate his armory, the family farm, the gun farm. Like where the hell did this come from? It's just like suddenly, suddenly weird ass metaphors. Mm -hmm. Ava reconciled with her father, trained herself into a skilled target shooter and opened up elite firearms and training, which he, he, uh, he changed that actually. Before that, it said opened up a shooting range not far from the Dragon Man compound. So this is where he said he he introduced my dad, and he did tell me about this. Originally, he wanted to say that I opened up my shooting range uh, down the street from my dad, and I'm like, okay, well that's not true. Well, it's twenty five uh, twenty five minute drive at sixty five <laughs> miles per hour, so not I'll that just, close. Yeah, and uh. And I reconciled my dad and then I trained myself. Like, that's not how it happened either. I literally became an instructor when I was living with my dad. Yeah. And it's it, like, I just wonder, like, did he listen to anything that I said? I yeah. told him, you know, basically, if you guys watch my YouTube, uh, my intro video, it's the same thing. Like, it doesn't, doesn't change. Like, those facts do not change. So what else? Now I'm all worked up. Now, not untenderly. She calls him a FUD. Oh, yeah. That's going to be really awkward when we have dinner together next week. An old-timer inoculated from the <laughs> demands of the 24-7 tactical life. But because he put untenderly, it's okay, right? <laughs> Not untenderly. <laughs> and again, that you use that as, as a descriptor. Uh, maybe it was a poor so choice of words. But... It was. It was a poor, poor choice of words. Obviously, he's not a FUD. I actually don't even know if he owns, like... Any hunting rifles, like if he does, it's in his military museum. I know he's got or that even recoilless rifle that, that yeah. Use. But like he owns more machine guns than I than anybody I know. So if or, you go back to Simon's definition of fud, uh, my dad doesn't really meet the criteria for that. Not quite. What I meant was he kind of has like a fud mentality when whereas like when politics, like when we're discussing politics. So I seem to be a lot more political, and my dad kind of has more of like that fud mentality. But again, like he just took any opportunity to include. Anything that would create sort of a disaster. Yeah. I haven't even told my dad that that's in there. It's about context, right? Like that's not how you meant it, but, but I do, I felt bad about my mom. So out of this entire article, I felt bad what was said about my mom. And then I felt bad about them saying about Simon saying that I called my dad a FUD. Mm -hmm. I don't really care. Like say whatever you want about me. I'll call you out, but don't drag my parents into this. Yeah. It's tacky. And I don't understand how it really, I mean, explaining who they are. And kind of what set you on the path again is a sentence or two. Yeah. But in this, it was a big chunk of the description of you, which is weird. Rachel, you want to get in on this? 
Um, I mean, like I said before, other than the fact that they raised you and maybe how you got to where you are, I just don't know why they even needed to be mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And Rachel, I got to say, you are so sweet because at one point you messaged me and you're like, I keep thinking and I'm just, I feel really bad for what they said about your mom. And I just thought that that was really nice of you to like reach out and let me know that I wasn't the only one who was kind of like suffering from what he wrote and that you, that you genuinely cared. And then another, another, at another point I did say, you know, I told you, I'm sorry that I dragged you into this because <laughs> I kind of <laughs> felt like, Oh, I get the email and I'm like, no guys, it'll be fun. It'll be fine. <laughs> and, uh, and so I think I feel like I kind of, you know, dragged you along with me. And, but one thing that I am happy that came out of this is, you know, before this entire, this entire, entire thing, like we had met in person a few times, but we didn't really get, like, we didn't know each other that well. And if anything, this has brought us closer together and I do consider you a friend now. So I am thankful for that. Yeah. So am I like, you have to look for the bright side of every situation and us getting to know each other is definitely, I think the brightest point of this article. Yeah. Yeah. And then Sean, you know, we found out he likes guys with neckerchiefs. Yeah. My <laughs> friends are dudes with neckerchiefs apparently. No, I mean, there's uh so I, I come from a different angle from you guys. I'm like, this is all great. Literally a, I'm called a millennial basically in, in the Washington Post <laughs> magazine. That's fantastic. Stay positive. <laughs> um, I, you know, Aaron, my best friend and my, my, uh, the, the co-owner of we like shooting and everything. We have talked. I was like, so how do you feel about all this now, mister? I got this. And he was like, well, they were tough topics. And I was like, yeah, that's not what I asked. And he said, well, I think maybe in the future we'll have like a company line and maybe you should just talk to the media. Cause generally I do like that. That's kind of my job as the, the face of WLS. And you know, he thought that he could handle this and you know, he got burned just like everyone else did. And yeah. I'm not upset about it. Like I'm not upset about this article at all. I think that he did some crappy things, but ultimately it's exactly like I said to the people who already like us, they still like us. And to the people mm -hmm. who already hated us, they still hate us and nothing is different in the universe. The comments on this article were pretty damn awesome. Oh yeah. So I will say, you know, cause my dad's in the news a lot and uh, I mean, people will just like tear him to shreds and, <laughs> and he doesn't let like, it, it does not even phase him. And so I think to a degree, like he has taught me that much, like to be, you know, strong and, and, uh, so like reading these comments, I mean, I was just laughing. Like it really, it did not phase me at all. It was a little concerning how arrogant people can be. I think that was probably my biggest concern is just all I keep thinking is, you know, these people who don't think that guns are necessary, I would love to see how they react in a situation where their life's in danger and they're calling the cops and, you know, the cops don't show up or they show up like two hours later. Like to me, that's just uh, kind of idiotic. It's small minded. And, and Rachel, I, I know you have big opinions on stuff like that too. I mean, you, you have decided that like your life is more important than someone who should decide to rob you of it. And you have taken steps to know to a figure out how to defend yourself. Um, how important is that to you? That's why I do what I do. So, and, and not only to protect myself, but now I have the, an outlet on social media to where I can share my experiences and products that I found useful and hopefully pre potentially prevent this for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Yeah, I totally agree. I, can we go through some of these comments? Yeah. So I just like jotted down a few that were just like, <laughs> huh, that's interesting. Uh, my favorites. The first one, lots of comments saying we have small dicks or are small minded. And I'm just like, I've literally spent the last five days tearing apart my house, my office for cameras. Cause I'm like, how the fuck did they know? I know. Right. Yeah. Except I was thinking for the fact- that too. I was like, bingo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, one girl. Uh, so this one I felt bad. It was, you know, about Amy Robbins, uh, Alexo gear. It says, um, one girl made a statement that like, she hopes that nobody near her carries a gun, uh, especially in her leggings in case it accidentally goes off. And so I, you know, I, for people who listen to gun funny, I started working out the last like four months and really, really enjoy the classes. I take bar classes and I really enjoy the girls that take the classes with me. And for all I know, maybe they are anti-gun. We don't normally talk a ton about our personal lives, but I just thought, I don't know. I felt bad for, for Amy, that comment, just like, ew, gross. Like who would even want to do that? Well, unnecessary and possibly dangerous is a quote from the article. And then this comment. Yeah. And the fact that that it could, you know, accidentally go off again, guys, train, like, Educate yourself on how guns work. They do not just go off by themselves. Well, and if they're holstered, they're not going to go off by themselves. True. And they actually, so I mean, it's a concern that they've already thought about and they give you a card to put in front of the trigger guard inside that pocket so that nothing can actually get in there accidentally. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's guns don't accidentally go off unless people pull the trigger. Like we always talk about accidental discharges. I'm like, no, uh, there's no accidental discharges. There's negligent discharges. That, that's my opinion on the thing. I'm editorializing myself here. Say again, Rachel. So there's negligent discharges and operator errors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, look, uh, negligence doesn't mean that there was violence uh, or, or anything like that. It just means that you made a mistake, man. People mm-hmm. make mistakes sometimes and sometimes they're fatal. Yeah. <laughs> the next comment is pretty great. Read it. This is what unevolved primates look like. I guess some people never get past a seventh grade mentality. Okay. Well, bitch. <laughs> Look, my brow might be a little overarching over my eyes. I your might, your I might eyes have twitching. A uni- I know. <laughs> I might have a unibrow, but I went through my entire, the first part of my life without liking guns at all. So how about that? As a, as an adult, as a person who had bills and a mortgage and had raised children. And uh, had like things to protect. Yeah. That's when I decided that my life was more important than a criminal who should choose to take it. And that's why I decided that my friends and my family and the people that I love's lives were more important. Yeah. And uh, I've had a long career in the IT field and I made this choice kind of towards the end of all that. After my kids had all went to college, after everything, I made this choice as an adult, as a thinking adult and probably smarter than you. Yeah. Says in the last comment, man, what a bunch of scared little children pretending to be very brave and strong. I weep for the cowardice and weakness of our youth. (laughs) And I don't think, again, it's like people who say like, if you carry a gun, you're being paranoid. And I don't think it's paranoia at all. I sleep really well at night. I actually, I live alone and I definitely do not fear that. And that's because I do have firearms that, you know, even if the biggest guy breaks into my house, I can take, I know I could take them down. Like I have something that has is equal or greater strength. This is the worst argument in my opinion, because what happens when someone breaks into their house, they call 911 and who shows up people with guns. So all they've but there's decided, no duty. Like people don't realize that police officers have no duty to protect you. Well, the Supreme Court says that exactly. That's exactly it. But here's the thing: they have decided that they put their care and their life in someone else's hands, and that they hold no responsibility for it. 
And I say, the police will show up to investigate your murder. They're mm-hmm. not going to show up and protect you because that's not the way the real world works. These kind of encounters, they last seconds or minutes and cops take 12, 15 minutes to respond in most places. Even if they get there in three or four minutes, how long do you think it takes for someone to, to break in and, and pull a trigger on you or do something else like that? Or choke you out. Choke you out. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you think about all the comments, Rachel? Um, I mean, that particular one hits like really close to home for me. And this isn't necessarily why I carry or why I keep them in my home, but it is, it is something I experienced and I haven't really spoken about it in any capacity like this. But when I was in high school, um, we had somebody that cased our house and there was a week where either myself or my sister was sick off and on. So every day one of us would leave for school and it just so happened that I left for school and somebody broke into my house while my sister was home alone. And she called the police. They got here and they sat in the driveway for 15 minutes until backup arrived because they were not supposed to enter a home by themselves. They had to wait for backup and anything could have happened to my sister. She was able to get into the basement with a knife and they figured out somebody was home and left, but you know, anything could have happened and yeah. I have yeah. a gun so that I'm not going to be in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So if I can editorialize one more time, what a bunch of scared little children pretending to be very brave and strong. No, this is people. This is adults. This is grown human beings. These are Americans that have decided to take their, to take responsibility for their own lives, mm-hmm. to take responsibility for their own protection that have decided that because we have the naturally given right of self-defense, that they are going to take that. And that is a huge responsibility. It's a responsibility more than these commenters have ever even thought about. You know, when we carry guns, we don't carry guns because it's cool. We don't carry guns to, because it looks cool on Instagram. Because it adds to our ego. We don't carry guns because it adds to our ego. We carry guns because we've decided to take responsibility for ourselves, which is more than a lot of these panty wastes on the left that want to be taken care of and these socialist pricks that think that the government owes them everything and th- that they don't owe themselves anything have never even thought about. Mm-hmm. So the cowardice and weakness of our youth. Yeah. I weep for it as well, except I'm talking about you commenters, not the people in this article, not the people who've taken this ultimate responsibility and nothing else. I mean, if they were going to talk about aesthetic, like he didn't even touch upon my unicorn AR. No. Yeah. He didn't so even talk stupid. about the fact that Aaron and I, a are not millennials and B are not attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. Okay. Oh, well, that just got awkward. You're like, well, I'm, I'm looking at the, the plus side. Simon <laughs> thinks I'm hot. <laughs> no, he, uh, I can never take Matt, Matt Best's place in Simon's eyes. <laughs> uh, oh, it was just that, so that opening to the article was creepy. I'm not, gonna I know. Lie. Like I, I show up at Matt Best's house and he greets me straddling an ATV with cowboy boots and, sh- <laughs> and shorts on. I'm just like, okay. This is the worst Somebody, porno ever. Yeah, exactly. Rachel, I'd like the next movie, (laughs) right? Exactly. Rachel, why don't you just kind of finish it off? Like what, is there anything that you wanted to say that you didn't have a chance? Like what would just like wrap us up and then we'll get out of here. I mean, I guess the biggest thing to me is that Simon tried to present us in one way, but whether it's Matt best and his guntertainment videos and the way he presents things or Ava, your training and uh, y'all's podcast that you do, or just my Instagram posts. Um, we all, we all promote it differently, but what we're promoting isn't weakness. It's safety and security and independence really. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and even if it was hobby, I mean, cause like I do have some guns that I literally just created just as kind of a hobby to kind of, you know, and that's okay as well. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. 
like I have guns to defend myself and do it, but I also really enjoy them. And I really enjoyed the art and the practice of employing this ultimate martial art of gunfighting and things like that and thinking about it and doing all these things to be prepared. And again, we come from a position of strength, not weakness and uh, the cowardice and weakness of youth. Yeah. You're out there and we know who you are. Anything else guys? No, I'm good. I think we touched on pretty much everything. All right, cool. All right. I like it. Thanks for listening guys. Go check out the article. Leave us some good comments. Leave some comments that talk about what the second amendment means to you and what the heavily armed millennials of Instagram actually mean to you guys out there who consume the content, who buy the products, who uh, engage in uh, chat and, you know, commenting and things like that with like-minded people, Americans and second amendment advocates out there. Also make sure you share this video and hit the subscribe and a like button. I had to include that. I think that's fair. <laughs> Want to send feedback? Suggest a place to prank call? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.